Okay, welcome Blues to episode 33 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast in which I'm delighted to report that Manchester City have made it through to the League Cup semi-final. We've got Kevin De Bruyne back, drawn Schalke in the Champions League run of 16. And before all of that, we saw off Everton 3-1 in a tricky league game. To go over all of that with me, we have in our virtual Skype studio, first of all, David Gregory. Thank you very much for joining us, David. Oh, it's a pleasure. And we have got the man, the legend, Walter Smith in the house. Hi, Walter. It's all looking good, isn't it? The future's bright, the future's blue. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, what I thought we would do first is start off with our League Cup tie against Leicester. Leicester won. Manchester City won, and of course, it went to penalties. But this game saw (laughs) 70 minutes of Kevin De Bruyne, Walter. What did you think? Well, it's a game as a whole. You know, you're looking at all the positives for Manchester City. You're looking at Kevin De Bruyne getting minutes in his legs. Uh, as I've said repeatedly, he's the brain of uh, Pep Guardiola on the pitch. So, what a return. And uh, you're looking at Aguero getting minutes in his legs. And you look at some of these youngsters coming through. I know we'll discuss it in uh, further detail, but Eric Garcia. Whoa, ho, ho, ho. you know, no wonder Barcelona were uh, gutted to see that lad uh, leave out the door. So, Got through to the next round, you know, absolute positives all over the place. And uh, David, I'm just going to go through the lineup. Uh, it looked like an experimental mix of youth and and uh, experience. So we had Murich in goal, then Kyle Walker, Garcia, Otamendi, Zinchenko, De Bruyne, Stones, who I guess was playing as a sort of a, a defensive midfielder, Foden, Mares, Aguero, and Brahim Diaz. That was the starting. Line up, uh, David. What did you think? Uh, well, it, both teams made a number of changes. We'd, we'd made eight. I think they'd made seven. And it, not from our point of view, but I think it begs the question from a Leicester perspective, why on earth, when this is your, a realistic chance for you, you're at home, why would you change your team to that extent? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we, we would because we've got, you know, more competitions. They're not going to get relegated, Leicester. Uh, they're not going to challenge for the title. So they're, you know, they're going to finish comfortable mid table. Here's a great opportunity. And they just kissed it off. And I think, uh, Pep were looking at their team must have thought, Oh, lovely. But I, I do feel with, with us, somebody, maybe Crystal Palace at the weekend is well overdue a spanking. Because, with again, with all the domination, with all the possession, we're not creating or taking the chances that really uh, that domination needs. And 
We're getting away with it, not putting them. We've got, certainly got away with it last night, thanks to some shocking penalties from them. But I'm sure, I mean, I guarantee Pep will have said, we have got to start putting these teams to bed, boys, because sooner or later, it's going to come back and bite us. Walter, you mentioned there Eric Garcia. Now, we hadn't had uh, much of a look at him um, recently, but uh, what what do you think are, are his attributes? I, I, I saw that some people were saying that he's <coughs> probably a couple of inches too short at five foot ten to be, you know, a major centre back, but um, he looks the mustard, doesn't he? So you could put over a 60s leather jacket on that boy and some shades and he just replicates the fonds on the pitch. <laughs> He's cool as a cucumber. Uh, I'd love that for it to be his nickname, the fonds, because... He's got everything. I mean, for a 17-year-old, a seven, let's get this right, a 17-year-old doesn't, he's just doesn't, you don't expect from them that kind of performance. It was cool. It was calculated. I mean, we talk about his size, but his positional playing, his sense of awareness and his coolness and his playing out from the back, it was, uh, I'm trying to think of, it's arguably it's the best uh, debut I can remember since Aguero came on the pitch, if you know wow. what I mean, when it, against Swansea. I thought he was wow. absolutely stellar. You know, this this is this looked like a kid who was born. You know, the way Springsteen was born to run. You know, Steppenwolf were born to be wild. That's old references for the oldies like <laughs> us. And this this lad, honestly, this lad was born to play centre half in a Pep system. And Barcelona must just be kicking themselves that they haven't tied this lad down. You know, Sancho's gone, you know, and that's not great for us. But this lad, you know, these top teams, and I do like the way I'm saying City are a top team, do tend to cherry pick off each other. And we've got this lad. And if he's as good as I think he might be, we've got the centre-half position sewn up because he was the best defender, best player on the pitch last night. And Otamendi looked... He looks like an old school centre half of kick and rush and dive and you know, next to this Laporte type performance from a seventeen year old. Just but, but is, isn't a, that centre back partnership? You do want a, a blend, um, and you know, rugged against elegant uh, makes a depends. good partnership. No, no, that depends. It depends who you're playing. And, mm. You know, if we're going up against a crouch type player or you know, just a real nasty get up front. You know, you want your companies and your Otamendis to compete on that level. I mean, Mangalo played fantastic uh, against um, Ibrahimovic that time for Paris. And Chelsea, you know, you just say to Mangala, no positional sense whatsoever. You just say, that man, sit on him. And, you know, mm. at half-time, he'll be going into the opposition dressing room. He probably is trying to get in the bath with him after the full-time whistle. <laughs> but that's we've moved on since then, if you know what I mean. And yeah. this kid, yeah. Wow. I just thought he was sensational, just fabulous. You know, well, you, you, our listeners can think of a word and, you know, that's what he was. Yeah. Um, David, another, uh, another person that we've missed uh, very much who came back uh, for most of the game was uh, Sergio Aguero. He was returning from injury. How do you feel that he looked uh, during this game? I think he looked very rusty, uh, but it, it wasn't a game to suit Sergio, you know that there are certain games that certain teams that suit suit uh, certain players, and I think that the the way we were playing, the the fluidity wasn't um, to his liking. But it, it, there's a couple of possessions, but I think he, uh, having been out for a few games, he needed to get some game time under under his legs, and I think that that worked perfectly. 
And Walter, of course, we had Riyad Mahrez going up against his old club. Uh, almost scored. Superb drive, inches wide of the post. Um, another effort just to roll past um, the uh, right-sided post as well. I was quite interested to see Andy from uh, Man City Fan TV really criticising uh, Mahrez and saying that we should have not bought him and uh, and persisted with, Bra- with Brahim Diaz. But I don't know. I don't know what planet Andy's on on that score. What did you think? I think. Uh Right, let's get this right. I remember when David Silva signed and there was uh, City fans were moaning about his lightweightness within those first few weeks. I remember when Bernardo signed and people were slating him last year, saying, he, you know, why have we bought, spent X amount of million pounds player on this player? But if you look at Pep's judgment or and what's put, you know, what is coming off over the last few signings, we're talking about not far off 100% hit rate last summer, or sorry, the summer before. And this summer, you know, we've brought Mares in for a big fee and it takes time. I mean, can you, we've all seen Pep. I mean, how much you would take him and Pat Pep's ranting at you? I'm not overly sure, but um, you don't, you don't judge Mares now and, and you don't judge you, as I said, even before Christmas. This is a second half of the season type player and he's certainly next season's player as well. Because for these players to be playing the football that they were and then get introduced into the system that we've got, I mean, we think it looks complicated, but then he wants all his players to be bang on with what... You must get the ball and have Pep's sort of voice in your head telling you, right, remember to do this, remember to do this, remember to do this, remember to do this. And before it sort of becomes muscle memory, it's going to be quite difficult. And that's that's what it certainly was at Pep's first season with all the players. So, should we have said, ah, you don't write off players at this point. I mean, you know, not a chance. I certainly wouldn't anyway. The thing is, David, uh, the one thing that no one can argue about is that Mares has the most delicious first touch. There's, I've, I've watched him t- again and again and again, and no matter what kind of pass he receives, He's got like Velcro on those boots. Do you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's a class act, and it, that, that probably his toughest game for us would be. Oh, well, he's got another one coming up on Boxing Day against his former club, where he was idolised. And I'm I'm very pleased that they gave him the welcome that you know his service there deserved. Because if if it had been Liverpool or you know some of the Arsenal or Chelsea, they'd been booing the lad all day, which. And, you know, much as you want to do, you know, you, you, you're playing for your new club. And, and you know, it, it's like, you know, we, we move companies and go to another job in another company. You wouldn't expect all your colleagues to line up or your former colleagues to line up and slag you off. <laughs> so, you know, and, and much as you, you're there to do your job, you don't really want to do it against the players that you sort of up against Fuchs, who is a, a very industrial defender. Um, you know, why, why use your foot when your arm can do just as well? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it wasn't the easiest of nights for him, but it did, did very well. And again, we, we, we didn't use as much width. Um, you know, well, normally it'd be going out wide straight away. We didn't, we didn't go out as wide and stretch them as wide through that game because you haven't got your traditional, you know, Sane and, um, but it wouldn't surprise me watching Diaz, watching pick Diaz, if Diaz doesn't actually sign or doesn't leave in the summer, uh, in the in the close season, because you've all, you've got Isco in the background that you know I don't yeah. particularly want Isco. Yeah, yeah. but he's he, he 
if Diaz can't, is concerned that he can't get into our team, how on earth does he think he's going to get into Real's? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he might be better. And the fact that he actually picked him last night said a lot to me as to, you know, that he hasn't given up on Brahim Diaz staying. But they're only young lads when all's said and done. Um, and there are not that many. Um, I think he said it himself a few weeks ago, Pep. You know, please tell me how many 18-year-olds are playing regularly in the Premier League. Or well, in in Europe, you know, only one, Kylian Mbappe. Well, on that subject, at Walter, another 19 minutes under his belt for Philly Foden. What did you think of him? I thought he had... Uh, I thought his first half was better than the second. But then you looked at the quality of midfield that he was playing in the first half compared to the second. For me, the game shifted. The axis sort of shifted in the game when Kevin De Bruyne went off the pitch. And is it all Brighton and Madison came on yep. for Leicester? And you could see the shift in the game because we lost the middle of the park and lost a little bit of control there. Uh, I mean, as far as Mares go, that first touch, he could stop anything. He could fire a bullet at him and he'd catch it with his teeth. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, technique is just wonderful. Uh, but Foden, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't like to judge. I mean, we talk about Mares last night and talk about Aguero last night and talk about all these other players, Otamendi, et cetera, et cetera, and all down the line. But what you've got to remember is this is the Carabao Cup. And the same intensity, I don't care what anybody says, it's not there. And if you can think of a performance, we won it last year and we played well against Arsenal and wiped the floor with them 3-0 in the final. But if you think about Wolves, if you think about Leicester, if you think about Bristol, I can't remember if it was Rovers or City. City. So, you know, you think about how we performed in all those games and you're thinking, well, poorly, but we won the Cup. So that same, I can't remember the last time we played a real decent 90 minutes in the Carabao Cup. So to judge these players harshly or to judge them based on, you know, that lack of intensity. People, thing about football fans is now you've got Twitter there, which is an immediate reaction. And football is black and white. And it's either you're wonderful world-class or pretty much dog shit and there's no sort of middle ground or there's no you know idea of this progression so i'm at pains to sort of make any harsh judgments that's why someone's slagging off Mares last night i just think that as city fans you know what have we got to moan about over the last couple of years very very little and i just think sometimes people find a hook to hang the coat on sometimes and go overboard you know, I was looking at Twitter last night, and I don't tend to follow negative people. If people are doing me head in, they just, or I feel the negativity coming out. I just think, nah. you know, if it's justified criticism, you know, that's fine. But, you know, it's this guy's crap, that guy's crap, you know, we're going to lose this penalty shootout. You know, just sort of switch off because, again, football isn't black and white. It's a beautiful, beautiful 50 shades of grey in the middle. So I just think. I wouldn't jump on or judge any player harshly from last night. A lot of years ago, a colleague of mine was a big Sheffield Wednesday supporter and we'd gone to a Sheffield Wednesday game. It wasn't City, and he happened to be sitting behind me and he never stopped moaning. 90 minutes. And I turned in the end, I said, why are you here? You know, you can. <laughs> what on earth are you paying money for to sit here and slag off your own team for for ninety minutes? You, you know, you could you could stay at home. And <laughs> I don't know. Pre- that's dedication. That's stamina. That you know. Uh, but that it's pre pre social media. But I, I, you know, the, we used to we had it at City, and we still got them. I remember, I remember a kiddie coming. It was it was a League Cup game. 
running down to the front to scream at the top of his voice, "You rubbish island!" I thought, well, straight out of the mouth, straight out of the mouth of his father. You know, and, and they do. They they, they fasten onto a player. And I'd, I'd I'd love to sit down for five minutes with some of these people and say, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, when you go to work, do you give one hundred percent, one hundred percent of the time? I mean, people I used to work with, they, they you know rock up at half past eight and they might be ready to go to work at quarter past nine, having had three cups of coffee, two cigarettes, and a chat with half the team. You know that, and, and yet you're still taking all your money home, but yet you expect it. Of these guys, expect them to be 100% efficient and 100% effective 100% of the time. And it's just not realistic. Yeah. I don't know, you know. I, I, the nearest we're going to get to that is a Pep Guardiola team. Because yeah, you seem to yeah. have these, you know, these guys are motivated. And it's never, I can't remember us losing a game in the last couple of years through any form of lack of effort. Remember when Kolarov was jogging back or. You know, he had somebody pulling out of a tackle, or it's never through lack of effort. It's always no. Uh, I, 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 you're absolutely right, but yet sort of we still got people moaning, having having sitting sitting and watching what we've had the privilege to watch over the last couple of years. <laughs> we've still got people mumping. I'm thinking, for God's sake, you know, you could be United supporters the way you're going on, and at least those buggers have got something to mump about. That's harsh, that. That's harsh. That. <laughs> well, guys, True. we're, we're, we're going to get on to United. Don't you worry about that. Have no fear about that. But, uh, Walter, I, I, I really think it's time to talk about the goal. Now, I don't know. There are certain pieces of skill that were pioneered by Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, and they gave names to these pieces of skill. Now, I'm not talking about the shot itself. Come on to that. But what? how did he, he maneuver that from one foot to the other? Um, uh, before that beautiful drive, what, what did you, what was your reaction to that? Because I thought there's no way he's shooting from there. It, I mean, it's just in the blink of an eye. That was in the back of the, of the net. What did you think, Walter? I think, I don't think anybody expected it. Certainly not the goalkeeper. And I think that was the beauty of it. It was, uh, a snapshot, as it were. So this snapshot, and this is a guy who can get a lot of power from a, just a, a slight bat lift. And there's not many players, not even in the Manchester City team, but there's not many players in the world who can get that kind of um, power, as it were, from such a, from such a small movement. I mean, we're talking about a special, special player who's only going to get better over the next few weeks the fitter he gets. Yeah, I think the keeper was expecting it to go the other end, and he'd already started to move across. And I uh, think it was the Hinchcliffe, the commentator, the, the said he, it skidded off the turf. It never touched the turf. After Kevin hit it, the next the next time it touched anything was the back of the net. So it wasn't wasn't a skid, but he just again it's it's that brain, isn't it? It's your Pep's brain. He he saw the keeper had made that move away to the other side of the goal and thought, great, a bit of space there. I'll I mean, have David, that. David, there was and, virtually no back lift at all. I mean, everyone was expecting some kind of a pass, and that just went like an arrow. I mean. Like, this mm. guy's got it in spades, doesn't he? Well, he sees, he sees, I mean, he's, he's there, the really good players are, uh, you know, that fraction of a second ahead of everybody else. Um, he left their number 28 on his backside, but with, with, he played it off his own foot to give yeah. himself the space. Uh, you know, uh, just stunning. And, and that is Kevin. That's, that's what, and to consider where we are with him only having, you know, very limited Premier League exposure this season. You know, the, the, it's promising now. Keep you know, keep fit, and he's going to be f- certainly fresh enough. But he can do that. We know that. Do that to anybody. Well, I, I've only seen I've only seen two people you know put a free kick under a, a wall when it jumps up. 
Walter, uh, was, Leicester were quite... Who was the other one? Yeah, sorry, Walter. Kevin ahead. did it twice. All <laughs> oh, right. The, <laughs> no, so, somebody, somebody, somebody tried it shortly after and got away with it, but I think the, the, the now they're the, the a bit, bit cuter. But again, it's that, it's that just the, the intelligence and the speed of thought, that, and that, that's what... The really top players. That's when they leave the the others distraught, and and that is that's what Pep's working on. You know, you all touch and you know one touch and then get rid of it. One touch and then get rid of it. You know that, and and that second touch is the pass, or sometimes the first touch is the pass, and that's what destroys opposition players. No, I was just asking who the other player was. Uh, since Kevin De Bruyne did it. I mean, the thing is, you know, when you look at uh, players or you, you listen to goalkeepers talking. And especially from the newly promoted teams, and they talk about the strikers in the Premiership, and then they stop at the strikers in the Championship. And it's that they get themselves set in the Championship, they get the, the feet set, and then they take the strike on because it's. But when they come up to the Premiership, everything's done quicker. They haven't got time to set the feet as such, and then you take it up from the Premiership to another level, which is Kevin De Bruyne. You know these real world class players. And he just manages to get a shot off that it fooled everybody. Do you know, the only person in the whole stadium that knew that ah, this is going in the back of the net was Kevin De Bruyne. Person in the ground, nobody was expecting it. You know, this is the kind of level, um, you know, we, people say, you know, we've not missed Kevin De Bruyne as such because, and then they'll talk about the amount of points that we've got. And they'll talk about, you know, Bernardo Silva's early form in the season. Kevin De Bruyne is a different level. He's just magnificent. Stunning and accuracy. The, that, the accuracy oh. is unbelievable. Well, it's the power, like, isn't it? Do you remember Robin Hood when he split the arrow oh. in the uh, Kevin Costner <laughs> film? And he's just... Oh. But that's that's the nearest thing I can think to it, yeah. you know? It's just wonderful. And he's ours. I know. Yeah. Guys, Leicester were, were quite poor, I think, in that first half, but they improved in the second half. They brought on Madison and I think Vardy came on as well. They uh, upped uh, up the game a little bit, but um, they they got they got an equalizer through all Brighton on the seventy third minute, and that shows guys. Um, Zinchenko, he's not a, a left back really, is he? I mean, he 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 really left a gap there for that one to uh, to be created. David, uh, talk us through. <laughs> yeah, that a bit. well, we've been saying that for some time, and uh, when Fabian, I mean, Fabian's been caught out. A couple of times, um, it was caught out against Chelsea with with you know not getting the tackle in before the the, oh, the not not getting close when they threw the ball out before they scored the first goal. But they're not left backs. You know, he's, he's not. A, he's a midfield player. He's he's putting a shift in uh, in that position. And Albrighton, go back to his days at Villa, is an all out winger. So he he was you know caught under the ball. Uh, Zinchenko, and by the time he realised, you know, when you can see the player's shirt number, you know you're in trouble because he's gone past you. And I can't, I can't blame Zinchenko for that. I, if it was Mendy, or if it had been on the other side, then it was Kyle Walker, who is a, 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 a fullback. Yes, you could can criticise, but not somebody that's standing in. And I think it reinforces what, what I hope it will do is, is actually go out and buy somebody in January for the, a, a specialist left back because it's it is a weakness and it can be exploited by certain teams. Uh, Walter, uh, Pep keeps saying it, no January signings, no January signings, but if you were to go to Napoli and put in a 60 million bid for that guy, Fauzi Goulam, who's great, just returning from injury, you know, that could really help us out in the Champions League and and be a great backup for for Mendy or, you know, replacement for Mendy, don't you think? 
Well, yeah, I mean, what we've got to be looking at is, uh, Mike, you, you've heard me say before, um, we've got to be look, making signings to the club we want to be. And we want to be European champions. And we need, um, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love just to boil some piss and put a bid in for Robertson, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, you know, uh, this, this was a player that came in on the cheap. And you think with the scouting network that we've got, we should be looking. Uh, there was a new scout signed uh, from Spain this week. You know, we, we should be scouring the market, looking for a, a left back. Let's think about who can defend. Yeah. And Mendy, we need someone. Me personally, I'd go out and get somebody who's better than Mendy, uh, and them two can fight it out because Mendy, as good a player as he can be, he's he's, he's injury prone, and we're relying on you know a young lad. And these gives these guys will give a hundred percent. And me personally, Delph's not good enough. Mm. I was looking at Delph. Um, I was looking. People said talk about Delph playing the Fernandinho role. Watching the game, I know we're going to come on to it against Everton. But I was looking specifically at, uh, at Delph. And now when Delph receives the ball, he, he looks up, and if an immediate pass isn't on, he starts to work his way backwards straight away. Yep. You can see him do it. Now when Fernandinho. As cool as you know, Eric Garcia is. Fernandinho is just the king of cool. He will pick up that ball no matter what's going on around him, and he he turns beautifully with the ball. And if one thing that was said the other night that well, one of the lessons that I learned the other night was Stones is not and never will be a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And as good as he is, you know, and he's a fantastic centre back, and I have no problems or issues there because he's playing facing the one way. Now, Fernandinho gets the ball and turns, and his head is up. You can see he doesn't look at it. He's just turning, and the options are available for him. Now, Stones gets the ball, controls it, brings it round, and he's not a difficult to pounce on. Well, Fernandinho will turn the correct way, the body shape's the right, and then he's looking up. Um, we need a left back. That's as clear as uh, clear as crystal. Um, we need cover for Fernandinho. So, John Stones, you know... Decent professional, but that's not his position. Isn't playing there. I play Gundogan there before I play him. And I'm trying to think. That's the main two signings that I'd be looking at. But left back is crying out. But I heard an interesting discussion. We were talking about. I know we're going to come on to Manchester United, and it was about an agent who came to Manchester and he went to Manchester United and he went to Manchester City and he was talking to a United fan. And he said, when he went to United, they were interested in the, the gold Stardust players. And they were there talking, oh, have you got this guy? Have you got this guy? Well, what would it cost to get this guy in? What wages does this guy want? And he said he went to Manchester City and they've got it mapped out. He said, for the next, for years to come, what positions need fulfilling and what roles need fulfilling. And he said they were just uber professional. And he said the difference was night and day. So we're crying out for a left back. Me personally, when I was listening to this, and it, the guy was apologising, saying, because I know you're a night fan, I didn't really want to tell you this. He said, uh, City are just leagues ahead in terms of structure. Um, that's great for us twofold. You know what I mean? It's great for us, number one, because we're going to be on top of the competition. And number two, <laughs> United is just going to keep holding this up. Mm. But what, you, what that tells you, though, is that um, he may be absolutely what he's saying is, is absolutely not just for the press. He probably has got the club has got the, the next left back sorted, yeah. and but we but we can't get him until the summer. 
So, well, yeah, maybe no signings. Yeah, well, no signings in January is what he's saying. Uh, that's possibly because, you know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, with all that, that, and that uber professionalism doesn't surprise me one bit. I'm sure they've got, you know, the names on a list. These are the players we want. We don't do it anymore. We don't talk about our business. Uh, unless it's somebody we want United to buy and he's absolutely plonker. So we, we need to, but that, that might change now. Uh, but you know, we, we, nothing. It's just, you know, come January, it'll be, if, if he's going to do it, there'll be bang early January. He's in or he's in. Uh, we bought him and he'll come to us in the summer when he's finished his, his present club. So technically I was right. We didn't buy, you know, nobody's coming in in January, although we bought him. But I think that they're already, he's very laid back about it. He's, he'll have He'll have identified players, uh, and you know, let's and and he will wait. He waited eighteen months for Laporte because that's the player he wanted. Well, guys, we really should talk a little bit about the penalties, and there were some dreadful penalties there, guys. It was a bit a bit Keystone Cops. Um, how were you know? Normally, we're pretty nervous in penalty shootouts. How did you feel about this oh. one? Penalty shootouts a lottery uh, because it, it you know it depends on so many. I mean, it, it favours the the striker anyway uh, in theory. Uh, but again, why were all the defenders from Leicester taking them? Where, where you've got, you know, strikers. I know, I know. It's strange, why, isn't it? Yeah, very odd. Um, and, and why did Raheem Sterling try to make a monkey out of their goalkeeper? You know, and the simplest thing to do was just slot the ball away. The uh, goalkeeper but, didn't take too kindly to that, actually. Did you see that? Um, well, it, it was... Uh, I think the goalkeeper, when when that happens and when it comes off, it does make the mon- a goalkeeper look like a monkey. You know, the, you, and he thought, well, you know, you're trying to make a monkey out of me, sunshine. I'll, I'll laugh in your face because you've failed. Um, and and you know, you you've got to say, well, this, yeah, six six to one and half does the other. And who's laughing at the end, Sonny Jim? Um, but he was also an ex Liverpool keeper. Um, so there is that added little bit of spice between uh, Liverpool, because Raheem, of course, did the absolutely unforgivable and leave Liverpool to win trophies somewhere else. Um, so there, there is that side of it. But, it, it you know, it, it shows the confidence to take it on. But, boy, once you take it on, you really got to execute it properly or you do make yourself look pretty silly. So, Walter, we're just talking about this penalty shootout. Do we give credit to Rich for those saves, or do we just say that those were terrible, terrible penalties? No, of course you give credit to him. You know, this is a young kid who's come into a pressure cooker situation, and you know, um, if you don't take your chance in a Pep Guardiola team, you ain't hanging round. So the pressure was on, and he stood up. I thought he had a fantastic game. I thought he was amazing. Uh, you know, he pulled off a save down to his left that Joe Hart would have let in anyway. He's huge, and, uh, isn't he? About six feet. Oh, six, six five. Yeah. Well, I'll him head off because he heard him describe him as a mini Edison. Oh, this guy's not a mini anything. Um, no, you've got to credit a goalkeeper, you know. If he's got... If he's gone the right way and he's done his homework and he's watched the videos and he's studying the run-up and he's saved it, he never to took his he never took his eyes off the ball. Well, that's no, it, you know, that, and that's how to do it. You know that for all the antics, you know, the the stuttery start, and because we know they can't stop dead and start again. But all that is designed to make you commit one way or the other. Mm. Uh, and he was having none of that. He just he kept yeah, his eye. I'm, on the I'm ball. not a big fan of that. No, no, no. He kept his eye on the ball. See, until uh, the st- 
Well, I mean, I, I, I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, personally, he got man of the match and I was delighted with that because if there's one sort of area on the pitch where you need confidence, it's your goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't have confidence, like I remember Bravo at times, you know, because he wasn't confident. And this spilled through the whole defence and into the midfield. And to give him the man of the match, I just thought, absolutely great. I mean, going back, uh, I was reading as a do to, which does make me laugh, uh, the BBC comments, not the BBC, well, it's the BBC official yes, website, yes, but, you know, you, people are allowed to make comments below some of these stories. And people were slating Sterling, and they were saying, um, that's why I hate him, because he's tried that. And I thought, mate, you hated him because he missed a penalty. Well, you know, <laughs> that doesn't say any more about you as a person either. And Pep Guardiola was asked three questions about after the game. Number one was about the game. Number two was about Sterling's penalty miss. And number three was about Mourinho. And I just thought to myself, why? I can understand so much the Mourinho because they're interested in, that's the big story of the day. But to start trying to dig out Sterling, I just thought, mate, we won the penalty shootout. Pep doesn't give a toss at all. And what it's done now is Sterling isn't a penalty taker anyway. And do you think he's ever going to try one of them again? No. You know, and as far as the, the, the goalkeeper having a go at him and people getting precious about that, if I was a goalkeeper, I'm telling you now, I'd be, I'd be Martin Keown in it, in their faces, you know, both hands in the air roaring if it's safe. <laughs> because that's what you've got to do, you know, you're trying to sight the other guy out and all's fair in that, you know what I mean? He's not, as I said, racially abused him as uh, some Chelsea fans are alleged to have done. The guy's... Sterling's trying to take the piss and the guy's just laughed in his face and I just think, so would I, so fair play to you. Mm. You know, and if we went on to lose the penalty, shoot out, I'd be annoyed at Sterling for trying it, but ultimately we didn't. But then I would never be annoyed at their goalkeeper. (laughs) Well, Manchester City have now won all of their last five penalty shootouts in all competitions. This is after winning just four of the first seven. But guys, is there one tiny little fly in the ointment in the fact that uh, we've actually failed to keep a clean sheet in uh, each of our last seven games in all competitions? And apparently this is the longest run without a shutout since December 2016. What do you think? Oh, we'll, put, we'll put that right on Saturday. Uh, the, the nature of the way we play, we are going to leave ourselves a little bit exposed. Uh, you know, if, if a team does you know route one football then you know we are going to struggle with that because we we are playing so high up the field um and then if you've got a player with the speed and the capability to get on the end of that uh, but more often than not by the time they if they've got that speed and capability they've got nothing left by the time they collect the ball um you know some of those were, were penalties which were you know one of those things from in both cases against Southampton and United um but the the goalkeeping fraternity, you know, it, it it's as important to them not to concede as it is for a striker to score a goal. So they'll be working extremely hard um, to actually improve on that. And I know Edison will be looking at Liverpool all the time. And you know, there's his Brazilian compatriot. He wants a better return at the end of the year than Allison has given. So it's not a worry. It would worry me if we were losing games by the odd goal. Um, but, you know, we're not doing. Uh, and it was, you know, years ago, it was, you know, you score three, we'll score four. We certainly never us. We were the ones that were conceding. But, you know, it, it would be a good attacking side 
and and if your your own your you know your impetus is taking you forward, you are going to get caught out. I mean, how many times did did Joe, you know, with his poor distribution, suddenly we're on the back foot? Mm. You know, we don't give him balls. You know, we we're, we're not conceding possession as as much. Um, well, I'd say the last three or four games probably have given the ball away th- more than our normal pattern, but we haven't had all. You know, again, that not that one last night, but the game against Everton. You know, you, you've got you know no Kevin, you've got no Sergio, you've got no David Silva, no Benjamin Mendy. You, know, you, the, you take any team and take the four best players out, and Everton were no, are no slouches. Everton are a very good side, and yet you know dealt with that. Well, I think we had the harder game, you know, mm-hmm. last weekend. Mm-hmm. Us playing Everton at home was a more difficult game than Liverpool playing United, which is a sad indictment on them, but I think we had the harder mm-hmm. game. But uh, guys, just uh, tying that one off for the moment, could I ask you guys to cast your mind back uh, to the game against Everton? Now, this is a tricky tie. Manchester City 3, Everton 1, Gabriel Jesus uh Two goals. Uh, that's his confidence back up again. Two headed goals. A headed goal from Ryan Sterling, in fact. Uh, guys, what do you remember of this game? Going to start off with uh, you, Walter. Uh, as an overview, I thought I thought we were really, put it this way: we got three goals. You know, you can't argue with that. I thought Everton came with a with a game plan, and it got somewhat smashed up. Um, have you noticed that a lot of teams, and I don't just mean Premier League teams. I'm talking about teams way down the division are all trying to pay the, play the Pep Guardiola way. So they were trying to play it out from the back. The problem is they haven't got the players or the system that Pep Guardiola has. He's got the original blueprint to it, as it were. And Everton tried to do that. And I thought it was a, a lovely touch by Gundogan to set Sarni off. Oh, yeah. And it was a, just that curved run. I thought Gabby Jesus was phenomenal, by the way, that game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And he's curved this run and just beat the offside trap. And I think Pickford could have done better. I thought he left a big hole, but at the end of the day, Gabby Jesus just seen the hole and went, well, take that. Just shoved it in the back of the net. And that, you could see Gabby Jesus after scoring that goal, his confidence grew. And he was running at everything. He was making runs. You know, he wasn't picked out as many times as maybe he should have been. Um, this this kid, he's just looking at Aguero on the bench and put in a masterclass performance. That's arguably one of the best sort of um, performances from Gabby Jesus that I've seen in a City shirt. You know, people were trying to write him off X, Y, Z. But this, again, is a young guy who, without his family living in... It's like dropping us in the middle of Brazil to play football. And then when we go home, sort of looking at these four walls and thinking, well, if I go out, I'm getting mobbed. So what do I do? Well, I'll go on Skype for a bit, you know, I'll watch some films. I haven't got a family, you know, and he hasn't got any sort of kids or wife or anything sort of here to sort of take up his time and energy, as it were. So we must be bouncing off the walls sometimes. Um, we forget that, that players are human beings and a lot of South Americans have struggled to come over here and do the business. So apparently his family's returned. They're all looking out for him. Uh you know, long may it continue this golden run. Yes, David, uh, Gabby J hadn't scored a goal since August. That's a run of 11 games, 487 minutes. But he netted twice uh, in the first 50 minutes. And just to, going back to what Walter said, a few quotes here from Gabby J. He says, my confidence is back because my family is here with me. They help me a lot. It's easy for me because they are everything to me. I need my family in this moment. Guardiola says he settled so well from the beginning. 
but it is much better that his family is here and strikers need to score goals. So, uh, uh, David, he got that goal that Walter described in the 22nd minute, five minutes after halftime. He's in with another one, two goals. Um, Sani was the provider again. I mean, this is, uh, he's turning into a bit of an assist king there, a precise cross, a pretty unstoppable header there, uh, David, wasn't it? Oh yeah, we we where we sit in the family stand that was right where right in front of us, and I think I'm probably to blame for us not doing as well in the first half because I keep telling my wife they're saving the goals to score them at our end, um, and the chap sits behind me because with his brings his granddaughter, and as as that went in, he was just going beautiful, beautiful, and he's he's been been following City for an awful long time, but I thought you're absolutely right, and it was a beautifully crafted goal that the keeper had not a hope in hell of that, and and if anything shows you the confidence that he's got, it's finishing that with his head, you know that just here it comes, not you know not trying to bring it down, it's just this is it, bang, and and the it. He's such a smile, it's infectious, his smile. And I loved seeing him at the end on being interviewed a match of the day with uh, Bernardo because Bernardo has been helping him with his English because uh, obviously they're both Portuguese, it's the Brazilian language, so they've been able. And he's, you know, and when you think this, he's 21 years of age, he's already, you know, speaking two languages. I barely master one. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's a, a fantastic credit. And uh, go back to what we said, what Walter said earlier, the future for, for us is looking so fantastic. You know, 21 years of age, uh, already a full international. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, it's good to have, I mean, he'll play, he can play. If, if Pep wants to play two up front, he can work with Sergio. It's just gives us so much. And, and go back to Mendy. That's part of the problem with Mendy is we haven't, he hasn't got any competition for his place. And that's why we probably need to think about that. Yeah, Walter, uh, Everton got back into the game very briefly. There was a cross from Lucas Digne, I think, and that was met by Dominic Calvert-Lewin to reduce uh, the deficit. Uh, does anyone need digging out for that? Or was that just um, um, a, just a great play from Everton? I think they lost it in midfield by playing it out wide, just trying to hoof it, and then the cross comes in. Uh, no, I wouldn't dig anybody out. I mean, you've got Delph there. I, me personally, I think it was, I thought it was going wide, but Delph deflected it in because it just seemed to catch his head. No, I don't think we should be digging anybody out for that as such. Um, maybe walk, you know, the, the right back should have got out quicker, Walker, or, but even then it was just, it was an unfortunate sort of clearance that went to one of their players and it was dinked straight back in. Go back to the previous goal. What I, what I was really impressed with was you see uh, Sane getting doubled up on. So he's got the ball and people just expect him to try that mazy run. But he's just put his head up. So there's, there's Gabby G with the, the best cheekbones in the business and he's just knocked it into him. And I'm telling you now, the, I don't know what kind of neck muscles, whether he does a Mike Tyson sort of head rolls, I'm doing one now, which is never good for a podcast. The strength or the speed that he got from that header. You know, and it's, we've seen it a few times in the last uh, sort of few weeks, this idea of, well, a goalkeeper should save that. And I was thinking, how do you get your hands up that quick? You know, it's, yes, it is above your head and you will get your hands to a certain degree up there because the ball's coming at you. But nah, no chance. Should we be digging anybody out for that goal? No. Well, David, that... Uh brief respite that Everton had only lasted four minutes because it's brought in from Fernandinho four minutes later and Raheem Sterling is there to uh, nod that one in. What did you think? 
Uh, again, a, a, a well-crafted goal, but you've, you've really got to say, how, how on earth does the smallest man on the pitch, I know. literally, you know, get, get a clean head onto that ball? I mean, the, what they're doing, I, and when, when Gabby scored his, at least he had a defender um, behind him. The ball never, was never going to reach the defender. He made sure of that, but at least he had somebody jumping up with him. Uh, for Raheem, it was like, you know, where, where is everybody? Oh, good know, He was probably more surprised than anybody to get the Super Bowl, you know, straight on me. All I've got to do is touch it. Uh, but he, he put some power into it as well. That was a, another very, very well taken goal. Uh, and that, that really was the end for, for Evan. And when you consider that only a couple of weeks ago, they, you know, at um, Anfield, it was only a fluke right at the death that cost them. So, you know, so they'd held Liverpool um, all that time, but perhaps a little bit extra motivation for them to do that. But then they're not a bad side. I mean, some, some you know, they no. could, it could have been, you know, and when you think about, you know, we, again, we've lost, we haven't got not lost, but we didn't have what you would say is all of our first 11 playing. And yet you've comfortably put away a side six or seventh in the league. It's, you know, that's the sort of stuff that we need to be saying instead of, you know, on social media, digging out individual players and, Having a pop, you know, we. I always feel that our job is a very simple one. We call ourselves supporters. That's what we should be doing is supporting. Yeah, I know. I think their biggest uh, threat was from Richarlison, but uh, really only one good chance, Walter, and he ballooned it. Um, we were pretty comfortable about, uh, after that. And uh, interesting uh, fact here, we've now won all 21 games this season when we have scored in the first half. It's so important to get that early go- uh, early goal. And... Um, We've won our la- our past 10 Premier League home games, scoring 36 and conceding just seven. And uh, Guardiola is pretty uh, pleased with that. It's a very tricky fixture that we got out of the way. And we're looking uh, pretty good moving forward, aren't we? Yes, certainly. I mean, the thing is, Everton are, are no mugs. I think we've got a draw at Stamford Bridge this season as well. So we're not talking about, you know, Silver's doing a decent job there. He's, um, you know, he's putting together... You can, do you know the way you see teams putting together a structure? And you can see that happening at Everton. And, you know, the, they're a club that could quite easily finish above United this year. You know, that's not inconceivable at all. And for all the money that United have spent, you know, you've got a guy there who's quietly going about his business, putting this team together. I know they've got rich owners now, so that worked twofold in terms of they can sign players for a decent whack. But also what they can do is they get to keep the players that they've got, which is vitally important when you're putting it together a team. You know, I I mean, I've got a soft spot for Everton. Uh, one of my mates really likes them. And uh, I know people don't because they think Scouse this, Scouse that. But I just always sort of saw them as a, a blue team living in the shadow of this sort of red kind of shite, I suppose. But <laughs> it's um, I've always had a sort of soft spot for Everton and, you know, I, I sent me mate a text saying, you know, I wish them well for the rest of the year. It's apart from when we play at Goodison, of course. But um, I just think they're no mugs and they're going to surprise a lot of teams and they're going to turn over some of the big boys, especially at their place as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, David, our, our um, remaining games of the year are well, they're all pretty winnable. We've got a home game against Crystal Palace. We've got another game with Leicester at their, their place, then uh, away to Southampton. And those are the games before we finally uh, play Liverpool at our place on the 3rd of January. Liverpool have got a much, much more uh, tricky set of fixtures. 
But um, yeah, it's looking good for us. And uh, David, uh, what was your reaction to the Champions League draw? I mean, I was I was kind of I really wanted us to draw Ajax so that we could get a look at these two guys, De Jong and De Ligt. But um, we drew Schalke. You happy with that? Absolutely delighted. I mean, when when and we we all knew it, it was one of four, and I'd said before the draw started, the one I won is Schalke. Um, they'd only scored on average one goal per group game. Fifteenth uh, so in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So, so they only scored six goals, and I think they conceded six. They had a they had a, a sort of neutral goal difference. So they're conceding, and they're not scoring. Uh, they're not as it as it's same in this country. You look, you know, Burnley had a fantastic season, got into the Europa League as a result, and you'd say that you know from that brief flurry of European football, because they had to start the season a bit too bit sooner. Uh, that it's impacted on their home form, uh, and maybe Schalke the same, or on their league form. Sorry, maybe Schalke the same. That they they their really good season was last season. Uh, but Schalke is also where we bought Leroy from, so he'll be able to go home and get some dogs abuse from local fans there, um, as he did from from Hoffenheim fans. Um, so I, I think that is an eminently winnable game. Um, and, you know, look at then all the other fixtures. There's some big clubs that could go and there are big clubs that will go. Yeah, Walter, uh, Schalke 14th in the Bundesliga. Just give you the stats here. So they've played 16. They've won only four, drawn three, uh, lost nine, 17 for 23 against with a minus six uh, goal differential. They're quite happy with that draw, Walter, aren't you? Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, what makes me laugh is sometimes when um, people say, you know, you've got to... People people threw the thing at City where they said, you haven't improved, you haven't improved. You got to the last 16, you know, the European Cup or Champions League. And uh, I thought, mate, we played Barcelona. <laughs> you know, we're playing arguably the best team in, in Europe. So getting these easy draws gives us a better percentage chance of winning the trophy. And if we can get that better, you know, and sport is sport at this level is uh, fine margins. And for us to get Schalke, it's the, I'm not saying it's a done deal at all. But what I am saying is we've got a better chance of progressing to the last day. And, you know, I'm hoping we can get Roma or somebody like that. You know, if we can get the easiest route to the final, that's exactly what I want. You know, people say, oh, I'd like to play Barcelona in the last 16 because it's a big game. No, but if you've got to play big team, then big team, then big team, then big team, your percentage chances of getting through are far smaller. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy for cheesy. That's what it is. You know, no, nobody, yeah, nobody looks at the end of the season and says, like, you know, nobody said Real Madrid, champions of Europe. Yeah, but they had an easy round in, in that. They had an easy game here and they had an easy group. At the end of the day, they won e- it. <laughs> had an easy final. <laughs> Guys, just looking at some of the other draws, uh, Liverpool have drawn Bayern Munich. And of course, uh, the Liverpool fans are thinking, oh, you know, Bayern Munich, they're behind uh, Dortmund uh, by about eight points in the Bundesliga. They've got, they're, they're, they're already seeing past Bayern into the next round. I don't think it's going to be quite as simple as that with Lewandowski and uh, and the lads, eh? No, of course it's not. I mean, Bayern Munich are uh, one of these teams that uh, they've got quality from from top to bottom, if you know what I mean. And I'm glad that they're happy to play Bayern Munich. The only thing I don't want to do is play play Liverpool in the final eight yeah. because I think that's the only team, and I think Pep's learned from that as well. 
But I think they're the only team, and it's not a case of them being better than us, because I don't believe they are. I just seem to think, hopefully, number one, they won't smash our bus up, mm. we won't get our opportunities to smash it up, and then... You know, you don't get the, the best thing is you don't get the uh, red tops and all the ex scouse mafia coming out, giving it loads about, you know, glory nights and glory, glory times, you know, at, at Anfield, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, me personally, I'd like us to be the only English team left for the final eight. Is that wrong? No, that's not wrong no. at all. Um, no. uh, David, it's quite, uh, quite fortunate we didn't finish second because, uh, Leon finished second in our group, and they got Barcelona. So that was a that was a a, 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 bullet, a bullet dodged, I think you could say. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm 100 with Walter. I mean, the, the the easier the route, the happier I'll be. And I I I'd you know like to to avoid the dangerous ones. Bayern are, are, are not the team that they were. They've still got too many aging players. Um, and a manager who maybe won't see that fixture because they're not happy with him. Um, but it's it's sort of two months away, and a lot can happen in two months to to any any team. I mean, you know, you, you could change your manager in twenty four hours, can't you? Um, so you just January. yeah, <laughs> you know, you do, you just don't know what what two months is going to bring. The, the the form this this so far is a good indicator. And all the indications are we should come through that comfortably. But we said that about Leon, didn't we? The first yeah. first game of the round, we know we said it should be them. You know, Walter, poor Tottenham have uh, really drawn the short straw, haven't they? Because they've got Dortmund, and Dortmund are on fire. To be fair, aren't they? Um, thing is, if you want to get, well, I mean, Tottenham finished second in the group, didn't they? So it's tough shit, then, isn't it? You know, you're going to get the best teams. Um, I just think. So that'll be a really good game. Do you know what I mean? It'd be interesting to see how Sancho. There's a lot of good games to be fair that's been drawn, um, and that's one of the pick of the pick of the pick of the crop, as it were. Uh, it'd be interesting to see Pochettino because what's made me laugh is these United fans have slated Klopp for not winning the trophy, but then they want Pochettino in charge. <laughs> you know, there's a, the busy going down the Twitter line, deleting all these kind of furiously these tweets when they get linked with him. Pochettino's done fantastically well. You know, you look at this uh, Tottenham team, and it's um, he's galvanised it, and he's brought the best. A good manager will bring the best out of his players, and that's exactly what he's done. Because you know, can you imagine having. You're there and you go to the transfer window and you ask Daniel Levy for tuppence and he's shaking his head at you, you know, and you're thinking, you want me to progress, but you're not going to fund me and back me. And then you look at all these other premiership teams that are getting money thrown at them. So I, I do think he's got, done a decent job at Tottenham. And I just find it, uh, it'd be interesting to see how he does against that kind of opposition because the two high energy teams, it's going to be a fantastic game. David, uh, just to, I think the next draw will uh, give us a nice segue into our, our final section on this pod. Manchester United, uh, the greatest club in the world, of course, have drawn Paris Saint-Germain. Are you looking forward, uh, David, to seeing Cavani, Mbappe and uh, Neymar up against uh, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling? <laughs> oh, that's so very unfair. <laughs> Poor old Phil Jones, what's, what's he done? I mean, you don't need them anyway because he'll score for you. <laughs> given <laughs> no, it's um, and I, I mean that that's classic, isn't it? They they could have won that group and avoided this. By the way, we got Burton in the next round, you know. Oh, oh excellent! We've drawn Burton. <laughs> We've drawn Burton. 
Oh, I've just seen Piers Morgan in a drawn Burton shirt. Oh. Well, I, I, I think I think pretty much we can agree that um, United against Paris Saint Germain, providing all things being equal, that's going to be lambs to the slaughter. I'm afraid for United fans. But guys, the big news this week, of course, the sacking of Mourinho. Walter, did the timing of it uh, did it did it surprise you a little? Yes and no. Um, and the reasons I say that uh, United have got this sort of tradition of sacking managers. I'll say that again. You know, have got this tradition of sacking managers when they can't qualify for Champions League. And Mourinho got them into the last 16. So you think they'll carry on going with him. But I think what killed him was the measure of the performance at Anfield. Mm-hmm. It was cowardly. It was shocking. It was... I mean, I, was listening, I listened to it on the radio and Robbie Savage was calling it embarrassing, you know, and he was waxing lyrical. And for me... A lot of, as a football fan, you want to see your team go out and give it a go. That's all you want. And for Mourinho to put, it wasn't even a part, but it was a nothing performance. It was, it was stale. It was, you know, they got massacred. Thirty-six shots Liverpool had on a target, and uh, you know Liverpool were just dominant throughout. And that, as a Man United fan, you know, they always claim, you know, this is our biggest game and blah, 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 must have killed them. It must, you know, as a fan, you're watching that and the your goal that you get is gifted to you on a plate. And Alison Blunderland, they were saying. <laughs> well, I mean, Alison Blunderland, you know, it's um, just, I mean, I, don't, I, I know if we went, to our biggest rivals and put in a performance where just there's no hope that's it you know there's no hope there's no direction you can't see you can't see patterns of play you can't see a structure to anything that you're doing it must just have killed them I find it quite funny myself like but it must have killed them you know and um, I think that's the straw that brought the camels back with Mourinho Um, the beauty of it is Mourinho doesn't take any blame whatsoever at all. I mean, what made me laugh is, I've listened to it for the last couple of weeks, the Transfer Window podcast, because I know you don't like to listen to it, and as oh. a service to Blues, I you will listen to it. You mean the Manchester United Transfer Window podcast? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what made me, what was more shocking, the week before, Duncan Castles was praising City, he was bigging up Laporte, he was talking about, and I thought, aye, aye, something's going on here, so maybe I shouldn't have been surprised that, uh, you know, Mourinho got the chop because he's not a Manchester United fan. He's a Mourinho fan. And what I found most interesting about all of this is they don't seem to have learned the biggest lesson of all. They've appointed Shoscar and it just seems to be... Do you remember the famous clip when I think it was City beat United last season and you had this I mean, this guy, obviously a Mancunian, screaming into, you know, it wasn't full-time Devils, it was the other one. And he was screaming, we're United, we're United. City come here and bossed it, we're United. And I'm thinking, that's that's a curse almost in terms of, they've appointed Shoscar. If he wasn't, if he was a manager of Mould and had no connections to United, they wouldn't have appointed him. But they've appointed him because they're United and he knows the club. No, mate, he knows the club from eons ago. And he doesn't know the structure of the club now. And they need to, in many respects, get the paper and rip it all up and start looking 
outside, be it an outward-facing club, an outward-facing organisation that looks at other things that are going on that are working. City did it. They looked all around the world and they looked at the Barcelona model and thought, that's what we want. And that's the blueprint that they took. They, you know, they took the directors of football, they got the manager and everything else to fit in to to the Manchester, you know, they've got the uh, the Manchester City cape, but it's got a Barcelona topping all over it. And United need to be an outward-facing club if they want to succeed. And getting Mourinho in was laughable. I remember doing a um, video for the Football Republic at the time, and I couldn't get a word in edgeways because uh, Housen was bl- blarting on about how Mourinho was going to ride... Turn Pep even more bold, as it were. He was going to ride him all summer long, and he was going to. And I was thinking, I was, I was just sat there laughing, thinking, no, this isn't going to happen. You know, the best team I've ever seen is this Barcelona. Um, Pep Guardiola at Manchester City doesn't have any of the politics to deal with that he had to deal with at Barcelona. He doesn't have any of the other bullshit he had to deal with at uh, uh, Bayern Munich. City fans, the board, everything is behind Pep. And that's why he only has to concentrate on the football. That's it. You were your magic on the on, on the on, on the on the training ground and on the pitch. And United haven't got that. They got United appointed. Do you remember when City and Swales used to do things mm-hmm. to make sure that City over try to overtake United? Well, the, the flip side of that is United appointed Mourinho because Pep was appointed at Manchester City, yeah. instead of looking there and just sort of reacting, they need to be more proactive as a club and go and search out and find what will suit their model best rather than looking over at the other side of the city, which is successful, and uh, thinking, right, well, what do we do? Do we just appoint, you know, do we, they're interested in Sanchez, we'll go, we'll, right, we'll have him. You know, they're interested in Fred, right, we'll have him. We'll offer bigger money. So they need to, me personally, I think they need to, they need to look at what's successful and cherry pick from all the other clubs in terms of ideas, in terms of players, in terms of structure. I mean, they're a fantastic business, but a business doesn't make a football club. Manchester City is a fantastic business, but the business is focused on putting all its energies onto what goes on on the pitch. United's absolutely not like that it's a deep we all know what a rotten club looks like and that's mirrored over you know you look at Ed Woodward he's not a footballing man he's a businessman who's interested and he thinks he's a football man which is a massive massive detrimental effect to any manager to any players you know it was they couldn't ship players out and that's why they're all coming towards the end of the contract they need to rip it up and start again David, uh, Manchester United could do the intelligent thing, but I don't think they're going to do it. What they really should really do is go look for somebody like uh, Jardim and and start to reboot with uh, young players. But I've got this uh, I've got this feeling, David, that they're just going to go for Zidane, the big name, and they've still got that festering wound of uh, of a player in Paul Pogba there. Who's uh, got? A, you know, seems to be running the the dressing room. <laughs> Getting rid of Mourinho is not going to fix this quick, in my opinion. What do you feel? Oh no, not at all. This, this, this. I mean, I when uh, we were out shopping and we'd stopped and had a cup of coffee, and as as I brought the tray over with the drinks on, Etta says Mourinho's gone. I thought, 
No, no, he's not. He's only halfway through the job that he was appointed I to knew, do. I knew you wouldn't like that. I knew you wouldn't like that. <laughs> no, I was, I was very, very disappointed to hear it. Um, and, and I think this is the start of, rather than the end of, another set of problems. Because they'll stand still with Solskjaer for, for five or six months. Uh, they'll appoint somebody, um, and the best hope is not necessarily the man, but somebody like Pochettino. Uh, but we don't know what Pochettino would be like if he suddenly had money. Exactly. Because, you know, if you look back to Tottenham when they sold Gareth Bale, you know, they, they spent all this money on, a, a, you know, some really poor players. Well, David, so, they're going to have to pay a fortune to get him away from the Oh, absolutely. The, the yeah, grip well, of Daniel you, Levy, he's not going to give up Pochettino. Well, there's no, there is, no, 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 no. But at the end of the day, it, it, it all depends on what does Pochettino want. Does Pochettino want to stay there and, you know, and go into his new stadium and everything else? If you've got a manager that says, I want away, you know, all you can do is negotiate a, a fee that the other people are going to have to pay. And United will do that. They just go and borrow another few million. It's not a problem. Um, but you, you're wasting this period of time because your new manager, when he comes in the summer, whoever he is, will want to stamp his own style on things. He'll want to bring in his players or players that he's he's handpicked, and they've then got to bed in. So you 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 actually write, you've written this season off. You're probably going to write off next season as well because rather than if if the if the manager they want and bottom line is they probably don't know the manager that they want. Um, I, I read somewhere that somebody, one of these you know alleged experts had said the biggest mistake was when we didn't get Pep. Well, actually, Pep was, wasn't on the market. You know, I, we know Ferguson courted him, but Pep said, no, I'm committed to go to Bayern. And once I've said I'm going to Bayern, I'm going to Bayern. And we were talking to him at the same time and so we said, OK, we'll wait three years for you because you're the final piece in our jigsaw. That's what, what's going to bring it all to a head. So it was never, ever in the, the rain. And, and the closest thing, I mean, you look back at Van Hal as an appointment after David Moyes. Louis Van Hal's record up until then was very good. But it, it was history, which is all uh, Mourinho's done. You know, he's, he's, we're talking about his history. Yeah, he was the superb manager when he first came onto the scene in 2004. It was, uh, and it was misquoted because he, he never said, I am the special one. He said, I am a special. I'm not the special. So it's been misquoted. But he was, he was a breath of fresh air. But that one, I think, I personally think Real Madrid did for him because he's never been the same after he got sent on his way by Real. Walter, you know, every, is, uh, everything after that. Yeah, Walter, is, uh, is Gary Neville right in saying that uh, Paul Pogba should, in his words, do one? As well, is he is he a virus in that club? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we dodged a bullet on him, and I, to be fair, I'll hold my hands up and say I wanted him. Um, Paul Pogba is a player that plays for himself, and what he does do, if you ever watch United, he slows the play down completely. And what uh, they were talking about leaving Pogba out at Anfield, it was shocked that it was. I didn't think it was a shock. I thought the one player I would have had on the pitch is Matter. And he's coming to the end of his contract. Ah, oh, he's, you know, I'd, I'd have him for free next season just to boil that piss. Um, but you look at Pogba and what he, right, let's get this right. They got, uh, Matic in to free up Pogba. They've got Fred in to free up Pogba. You know, they've, um, changed the system, the system of play to free up Pogba. 
they've uh, the, the club is bending over backwards for this guy, and he's not overly. He doesn't seem honestly. He doesn't seem that he wants to be there. And like anything, if you've got a, an individual within an organisation, if you've got a bad apple in a barrel, it doesn't it doesn't turn good. It turns all the other apples bad. And I think he's like that. I, I, I've got rid of Mourinho. That'll be job number one then. And now January, if Juventus are prepared to pay 125 million, if I was a United fan, I'd be packing his bags. I'd be uh, arranging Salford Van Hire, and then I'd be driving the guy to the airport and getting him out because we're all told he's world class. I've yet to see it. You know, we're talking about a guy who's world class every ten games when he can be asked. And mm. that isn't. Can you imagine? that type of player in a Pep system now at City. No, because Pep, nobody would put up with it. Pep wouldn't put up with it and he'd stick out like a sore thumb as well. He almost like, remember what uh, Ibrahimovic was saying about he didn't like it at Barcelona because every, you know, everybody was goody two-shoes and all the rest of it and everyone was you know playing Pep system, blah, blah, blah. For me personally, as a fan, that's exactly what you want. You want a clear direction, you want a clear structure at your club and that there's a real, not just that, there's a dark sort of virus at that place that's eating the whole place up. And it's getting through to the fans, you know, it's getting through to the team, it's getting through to Mourinho, and it's just eating people up in front of in front of us all. And people used to tune in for Arsenal fan TV when they were losing. Well, people are tuning in to whatever the Man United fan TV. Full-time Devil's um, my favourite show at the minute. Well, that's just it. You know, there was talk of uh, Arsenal fan TV should have almost been on Netflix for a while. But there's more than that. There's the United Stand, there's Full Time Devils. Mark Goldbridge. There's a, fan, there's a fantastic video. I mean, a fantastic video that's done the rounds in the last couple of days. And it was uh, done before Liverpool played uh, United, not this season. I think it was last season. And it was this scouts lad sat there and he was being honest saying you know I feel sorry for you it's like well what do you mean you can't see and he was trying to tell the United guy you can't see what's coming but I can and you know this United fan was saying well you know uh, you've bought Van Dijk he's just a smalling and you know you, just because you were unsuccessful doesn't mean we are and he's there so no mate I've lived through it and I can see what's coming and some United fans need honestly they need to wrap their head around that because if you look at United, United as a fan base, they've been forced to lower their expectations. And they're, they're there. So Alex Ferguson would have been embarrassed. I mean, embarrassed about trying to look up at a fourth place spot that's what, eight, 11 points, whatever above them and said, yeah, we're going to finish fourth. That to him would have been absolute 100% failure. And under Mourinho and under Van Gaal and David Moyes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the bar has been lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered. If and our bar, to be honest with you, has been hired and hired and hired. If we're going to finish second this season, I'll consider that a failure. If we don't win the league, I think it's a failure. And that used to be the way United fans spoke. They, they, you know, it was just in sort of bred into their DNA, and it's been completely changed and turned on its head. And well, may it continue. You know, it's a. Happy days are here again, you know, not only are we going up, but they're on the slide down. I remember when we first got taken over, there was United fans quite happy about it because there was that solid, I mean, it was a solid top four, and they thought Liverpool would get knocked out of that top four. They never saw it as themselves. David, um, what? it's so weird, isn't it, that um, after the demise of uh, Ferguson, after he left, 
they ju- they just appointed the three most boring defensive managers that you could imagine. You've got David Moyes, you've got Van Hal, you've got Mourinho. What these guys really need to do is go out there and get an experienced di- a European director of football and uh, seed control to him. I just don't see them doing it. Doing it. I mean, is Woodward going to give the new man the funds that he would not give uh, Mourinho? Uh, he, they they want these uh, top level, you know, Galactico stars. There's no real youth policy but, there. Yeah, well, but what what you don't know, you, we don't know who's actually in charge. Yeah, um, you know, and that's whereas in ours, you know, you can see the structure. You can everybody's got a role. You can see how it works. I mean, uh, for for Ran Soriano, the one of the reasons he left. Barcelona was Barcelona didn't want to go down this football group idea, which mm. is introduced at City. Yeah. You know, I said, fantastic, you know, come here. Um, but you, Ed Woodward has, has got to be a worried man if there are people. But, you, we, you know, the Glazers don't turn up for that many games. So you wonder what's the what's the. I mean, I, I don't spend sleepless nights. I got to say, uh, worrying about it. But what what is the structure? Who is in charge? And the, allegedly, um, they have been talking about appointing somebody as a director of football. Um, but and Mourinho was very much against it. Uh, but again, you you got to think well. In in certain clubs, there's there's a structure and there's a you can't see it there. It's they didn't give me the players I wanted. Uh, well, who makes those decisions? And I'm, I'm sure you know managers will go and say, "Can I? Can you get me? The, you know, this is the, it's not necessarily this particular player. It's this style of player that I want, and this is where I see him fitting in now." You know, Mourinho is is a guy well, clearly on his way down. And I mean, he, when he came to United, that was his last big chance. He thought he should have had the job before David Moyes got it. He was yeah, courting yeah. Ferguson then. If you remember when when Real came to uh, the Swamp and won, his in his press conference as the Real manager at the time said the best team has lost this game. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And that and and he he was looking then because he knew that Real he was coming to the end of his you know and again his his behaviour at that at Real was not what Real expected of a manager. You don't expect the manager of one of the biggest clubs in the world to come behind somebody's back and poke him in the eye in the full view of all the cameras. <laughs> and they you know they, they were there were battles that, that when they played Barcelona, which a lot of the time he started. Uh, so Real had got fed up with his antics and he was looking at his next one and I thought, well, you know, Alex Ferguson is going to retire. Uh, Ferguson would have gone in 2012 if we hadn't stolen the title away from him. Well, he stayed for another year. And, and actually, that is the start of when things go, went wrong, because in that year, he didn't do any transition. He didn't move anybody out or move anybody in. So at the end of the 2013 year, 12, 13. He had a lot of players all aging out at the same time. And David Moyes was handed the poison chalice. You know, there you go. You, you've got to get rid of, you know, Ferdinand's going, Vidic is going, Everest yeah. going. I disagree um, with you slightly. He, he got left a premiership winning team. Yeah, they'd won the and, title. Well, but you don't get better than that, do you? You know, I, yeah. I admit, I think he bought short-term Robin van Persie, but he was the difference. Mm. And that's why they won the league the next year. <laughs> um, I mean, I also... What makes me laugh is this idea that Pep, when he turned up at City, 
were in better shape than United when uh, Mourinho mm. turned up. They finished on exactly the same points. So that was the beauty of it. When, when the two managers arrived, they arrived on exactly, the two teams on exactly the same points. We were in the Champions League because we finished fourth on a better goal difference. And you looked at the age profile of our squad and it wasn't great. You know, mm. you were looking at uh, Zabletta, Kolarov, Yaya, Cliche, you know. And if you think about what Pep's footballing philosophy is, it's playing out from the back. And he was trying to play out from the back with these fullbacks where the legs had gone. And he's completely turned that on its head. And if, I don't even like to say, it gives me the, the chills. If Pep was to leave tomorrow, we would be in such a better place to move yeah. forward. Yeah. And that's what he's, that's what I see is he's laying down these foundations that are just still, you know, prevalent at Barcelona or whatever. Mm. And that's what he's doing at City. I mean, the only thing he hasn't got at City is a Messi, you know, and that's just a once in a generational player whom he brought through. So when people talk about Foden not getting his chance, whatever. No, Pep brought through Messi, mate. You know, I think yeah. he knows how to handle um, players coming through the youth system because yeah. he was there first. But um, I just see United at a crossroads, and if they don't, I mean, if they don't get this right, they could become a nearly side for the next five, six, seven years. You know, they, they need to start making decent appointments, and you know, Pochettino is a gamble. You know, yeah. I'm not. So, I, I, he could go on there, and he could be there for the next 20 years and be the most successful manager in British history. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but what I am saying is he's won nothing, and he is a gamble. You know, he's a, a, he's a career manager. You know, he starts off as an Espanol, and then he got his move to the Premier League, and he didn't speak any English, but then he did really well, and he's you know he made sure he did learn the English, and then he got his move to Tottenham. And it just keeps going up and up and up and up as it were for him. David, is Jose Mourinho finished now at uh, the top level jobs? Um, I would, I, I would think he might very well be because he's damaged goods. I mean, somewhere along the line, um, I think there was this talk of Inter, yeah. uh, but not not until next summer. But there, he hasn't got the 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 abilities that he had, you know. When he first came, there that that man management skill. Well, I mean, any anybody that's ever worked in management would tell you you don't criticise your team. You know, you you praise in public, you criticise in private. And as soon as you start hearing him slagging his players off, you know, you know that's a manager that's forgotten how to manage because you've got to go and face them the next day. You just you know give you know said all this on the other my players let me down. I mean, Fergie never ever. I mean, it was the it was the master at distraction, wasn't it? It was the referee, it was the ball, it was the shirts at Southampton that were wrong. <laughs> but never ever did he criticise players publicly. Yeah, except, and, for, and, except for Wayne Rooney when he knew he was on his way out. Yeah, but I disagree yeah, with you. I think I think Mourinho could go on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. The guy needs a break. End of. You know, he needs a break. And you look at his track record as a manager. A short term, one or two years manager. The guy's been phenomenal. And it doesn't matter which club he's at. Even at United, even at United. You know, they went in and they won the Europa League. They won the um, the League Cup. They won the Community Shield that the treble, first year. The treble, mate. The treble. So, but but but, but the thing is, Mike. It, he did that 
And so he's, he's got them to that level there. And we all talked about three seasons. I mean, he came up against that Guardiola machine last year, but they finished second, you know, and they amassed quite, a, you know, a lot of points. And they took the, they took the foot off the gas slightly with the Europa League final coming up as well. And they weren't going to win the league because we'd won it in record time. So you're talking about a guy who I don't think is a busted flush just yet. You know, he could turn up at Paris Saint-Germain or somewhere like this and after a decent break and a, a lot of soul-searching by himself, and I still think he could do a job somewhere. It wouldn't be at City because we never play that type of football. Uh, but his type of football could still do. You know, he, he won the he, he won the league not so long ago under Chelsea, and then it, then he the guy could pick a fight in a room on his own. You know what I mean? He's um, you know megalomania. But in many respects, that's exactly what you need to be a successful manager. And the fact that he never moved up to Manchester, the fact that. His third season syndrome kicked in. The fact that he was coming up against this Guardiola force that was just unprecedented was all sort of nails in the Mourinho coffin. And the guy then, he he didn't get his way. The toys came out of the pram. And you could, honestly, you could see this. You, You look at Klopp, Mourinho and Pep all went to America this summer. And everybody had players coming back in dribs and drabs from the World Cup. Klopp and Pep were talking in this big, fantastic way. What a fantastic opportunity for these youth players, you know, to, to to show me what they've got. You know, they they were singing from the same hymn sheet. Mourinho would look; he was spoiling for a fight. He he was there, think sort of slagging off. You know, I haven't got the players. I gave them a list of five players. I didn't get what I wanted. Uh, I can't believe these none of these youngsters are going to be here anyway. So you know, what, I'm bringing them because I have to. I'm contracted to. Blah 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 blah, and. From that moment, you knew, you just knew it was all going to go pear-shaped. And so it has come to pass, you know, it's easy to look, uh, you've got, everybody's got 2020 vision after the, after the event, but all the signs were there. All they were missing was a female doctor so he could have a right rant and go at. Have okay. you seen his comment, his comment this today? Was, what was that? Uh, you know, he would he would never say anything derogatory about Manchester United, and he has he has the utmost respect for Manchester United. I thought, yeah, you signed a non-disclosure agreement. Uh, if you if you go away and say what you really want to say, then your eighteen plus million pound payoff is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I can't feel sorry for the man. I, I don't I, feel I, sorry for him. No, I can't feel sorry for him. Any, anybody, you know, that, um, I watched a bit of the Gary Neville uh, that he did at Salford. You know, so at the end of the day, a man's lost his job. Uh, a man's walked out of a, cl- of a of a job, in effect, with eighteen million in his back pocket. Oh. You know, the, that's the, that's, 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 job that's, of getting paid off. Like oh that. yeah, yeah, well, exactly. You know, the world's a crazy place. You know what I mean? It's the only job in the world where you well, get you get paid, paid off for doing it badly. Well, guys, it's well, it's it's pretty much time for us to to wind this down. And what I'd like to do uh, just before we finish is uh, talk a little bit about um, Liverpool as our title challengers. Um, how do you see their staying power? Um, Walter, I'll start with you first. How much of a competition is this going to be? Do you see it going right to the death? Well, I was winding up a Liverpool fan at work. I said, it's like an elephant in a tree. He says, what? He says, you don't know how it got there, but you know it's going to come down with a bump. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was being, I, I was being extra cruel. And, uh, I was only having a laugh. Because, ultimately, if we win the league this year, by a couple of points or three points or whatever, 
it'll be unbelievably satisfying, just oh, as much yeah. as the as the hundred points. Oh my gosh, And yeah. you know, we, we, but we've gone head to head with Liverpool in the past, and you know, it's a case of it felt so good. It felt even sweeter to win the league because we'd lost that Anfield and there was the handball decision at the end that wasn't given. But it was Carragher punched the ball out of the area and they were all singing that we're going to win the league and they had the T-shirts printed and then Stevie G slipped. And then I remember Denver Bar scored and I jumped out of my seat where I was and I jumped up like a young 16-year-old all excited and my back went and I came down like an 80-year-old man. Um, I had a bad back then, I think, for the rest of the season. But it's those sort of moments that you kind of cherish and remember. Uh, Klopp's done a wonderful job there. He's done a wonderful job in terms of he's the only man, he, as I said, he's that full of shite that they love it and they buy into everything he says because that's the sort of nature of that club. And they're just perfectly matched, if you know what I mean. Um I think I, I still think we're going to win the league. I really do, and I think it goes down to the depth of the squad, and I think it goes down to us just having the better. I think we've got the better team, but when it comes up for a, a spoiling for a fight, I think Liverpool they almost take it personal. I think City of this professional outfit that just wants to turn teams over, but Liverpool just seems to take it real personal, and it's going to be interesting. I think you'll know a lot more even if we lose the game at the Etihad. I still think we'll win the league, but I think you'll know a lot more over the next few weeks as the fixture, as the fixtures come thick and fast. And we've got, as you said, Mike, our, ours seems to be fairly straightforward. They've got a nightmare kind of a scenario approaching. Um, whether the injuries on the squad, if Van Dyke went down, I think they'd be knackered. Mm-hmm. So they're relying on a lot of the, uh, you know, there's a lot of players there where they're hoping none of them get injured. Mm-hmm. But for us, if a player goes down, I'm not saying we're as good, but we've got enough about us to beat the majority of the teams in the Premier League. David, if Liverpool have an Achilles heel, what would that be? Is it is it just the lack of creativity in midfield or the lack of squad depth? What What is it for you? Well, it, it's squad depth, the, the critical one. I mean, they've already got Gomez out until um, probably late January. They lost Matip last week as well. First first leg of the Champions League, they'll have no Van Dijk because he's banned. Um, and it's that the... the it's that slip up which it hasn't come yet. I mean, they've done they've done fantastically well, but they haven't had a setback. Uh, and it's when they have that setback, when they do lose their first game in the league. You know, I, I, I want to be talking invincibles. I want them to be primed. You know, you uh, can you go all the way through the season because you want to pile more pressure on them. We know how we'll cope under pressure. We don't know how they'll cope under pressure. And ultimately, when he gets right down to the wire. The, you know that his his record of not seeing a team over the line will come back to the, to haunt. Uh, watching the the match last night, uh, Bill Leslie, the Sky commentator, at least twice said Manchester City have never ever been able to retain a trophy in their history. Mm-hmm. I thought, right, okay, you know that, uh, and he's making a point that we're gonna, we, there's every likelihood we're going to go out in this particular game in the Carabao Cup. And it, that'll start again. Much as Klopp is the media's darling, it will be, you know, six six finals, six defeats in finals. Is that confirmed, guys, that we've got Burton then in the... Um, yeah, the draw was tonight. 100%. So uh, that's us into another final, presumably. Ooh. Oh, don't say things like that. This is City. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Uh, well, 
the beauty of it is we've got again just basing it straight back to what we were talking about with the um Champions League you want the easier teams to get through you know you you want you want to play the easier teams number one the great thing about this is when it comes down to the crunch and we're talking January and the there's still a lot of fixtures and it's the cold weather and you know the cold weather leading maybe to muscle strains etc cetera, etc cetera, you can put out or we should be able to put out a fairly B team the same sort of team we put out against Leicester um, against that, certainly against that first game against Burton. And if we need to bring the big guns in, all well and good. You know what I mean? For the second leg, if we're losing or whatever. But yeah. it just gives our players that bit of respite. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, I might be speaking out of turn, but I'm looking forward to going down to Wembley, having a few pints and enjoying a. <laughs> well, it's, it's also just travelling to the game, it's half, half the travelling time. Um, and without the the London traffic chaos for our fans yeah. as well, you know, it, it, it nice nice couple of games, and yeah, we we could very well be uh, planning where we're going to go and stay in London in February. Okay, uh, David, so we'll let you have the final word. I think we'll uh, wrap it up here, guys. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back after the next game with the Bolt from the Blue podcast. So all that remains is for us to thank our esteemed guests first of all. Walter Smith, thank you very much, Walter. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. And thank you very much, David Gregory. Thank you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, as always. Nice to talk City. It's our shared passion. Thank you, guys. So uh, we'll just uh, finish it off here. And as we always say, don't forget to have one on us and up the blues. Cause my life is over with